Pastor Brian Loritz of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. My favorite word in, the, in Romans 5, 8 isn't God, isn't demonstrated, isn't loved as powerful as those words are. It is the word while. While. The, the beauty of the gospel is God doesn't wait for Brian to get his act together before he saves me. But as Tim Keller says, he sees us as is, accepts us as is, loves us as is, saves us as is, yet by his grace never leaves us as is. Hello and welcome to today's Inspired to Live radio broadcast with Brian Loritz, Senior Pastor of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship in Mountain View, California. We are delighted and honored that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles or on your devices if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Brian continues our teaching series through the New Testament book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Now here's Pastor Brian with today's study. Galatians 5, this is my favorite chapter in the book of Galatians. Uh, Here we go. Guy who wrote this, his name is Paul. Paul says these words. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again, verse 3, to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the law has been removed. Excuse me, the offense of the cross has been removed. Now, verse 13, verse 12 is the strongest words Paul ever wrote. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. I don't say this to be gratuitous. Here's Paul. He's been talking about uh, circumcision and how useless it is. He's saying, for those who are saying you should be circumcised, I wish they would castrate themselves. That's exactly what he's saying in verse 12. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, 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 serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. For the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And, if you are, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its, with its passions and desires. But if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Galatians 5, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Many of us have seen the movie The Shawshank Redemption. If you have not seen it, your life is lacking. And I'm not trying to hear any nonsense about, please, pastor, don't give it away. It came out in the mid-90s. In fact, you know my rule around here. You get two weeks... Uh, to see a movie. I won't use any illustrations the first two weeks. After that, it is public domain. It is fair game. Uh, So it's by grace that you haven't heard any Wakanda illustrations. (laughs) But in this movie, The Shawshank Redemption, we are introduced to a a character by the name of Brooks. Uh, Brooks is a sweet, tender, elderly gentleman who has spent some 50-plus years of his life incarcerated in jail. Now, we all know jail is no walk in the park, and I'm not trying to posture it as such, but, but there are some, some things that when you spend that amount of time in jail that, that can become comforting. For example, for the 50-plus years Brooks has been in jail, not once has he had to think about such things as, where will I sleep? Or how will I provide my lodging? He hasn't had to think about what will he eat for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or, or how will he be able to afford those items. He hasn't had to think about um, the next day's agenda. That's already been taken care of. But finally, after 50 plus years in this, in this film, Brooks is released from incarceration. He is a, he's emancipated. He's free. And what you now see is a man who is tragically overwhelmed by his freedoms. He now has to deal with issues he never had to de- deal with before. Where, where will he work? How will he afford lodging? Where will he lodge? Where will he stay? What, what will he eat? And, and, and one of the things that's so masterful is you see this man who is overwhelmed by his freedoms to the point where he literally takes his life. I think one of the subtle messages of the Shawshank Redemption, it taps into a truism to this life, and that is freedom can be overwhelming. And how we navigate our freedoms can be a matter of life and death. This is what Paul does when he comes to our passage. If you're new with us, we've been walking through the book of Galatians. All this year, I'm playing one note, and it is the gospel. We've been talking about the gospel And how the gospel says that, yes, I am profoundly needy. Yes, I am completely helpless. Yes, I am deeply loved. And at the same time, I am fully embraced. 
that the truth of the gospel can be seen in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while, while, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My favorite word in, the, in Romans 5, 8, isn't God, isn't demonstrated, isn't loved as powerful as those words are. It is the word while. While. That the beauty of the gospel is God doesn't wait for Brian to get his act together before he saves me. But as Tim Keller says, he sees us as is, accepts us as is, loves us as is, saves us as is, yet by his grace never leaves us as is. God demonstrated his love towards us in that while, while, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In just a few moments, I'm going to give a call for salvation. Here's what you need to know. God doesn't wait for you to clean up your act before he'll save you. If you could clean it up before he'd save you, you wouldn't need a savior. But the fact that you can't clean it up is the whole reason why you need a savior. This is the beauty of the gospel. We are all sinners in need of a holy, loving God. Everyone up in here, up in here, from the preacher on the pulpit to the last person in the last chair in the last row of this church, we are all in desperate need of a Savior. So now we're talking about the gospel, and next week we're going to finish up Galatians, and then the rest, uh, going up until the time I I leave for summer break at the end of June, we're going to talk about the implications of the gospel, that that we understand, as my friend J.D. Greer says, that the gospel is not just the diving board, but it is the pool, the waters that we swim in. So now we're going to talk about the practical applications. When I understand that God has forgiven me of every sin that I've ever committed, am committing, and will ever commit, then guess what? I need to be a forgiving Christian. I can't hear you. If I've been forgiven, I need to be forgiving. These are the implications of the gospel. So we're going to talk about these things. But here is Paul. The whole letter, he's been putting a full court press on legalism. And now in chapter 5, it is as if he's saying, I want to turn the tables and talk about freedom. You're no longer bound. You're no longer enslaved. Which means if you're in Christ, you're free. Christians should be some of the freest people on the planet. We should walk in freedom. In fact, there's so many non-Christians. In fact, some of you are here today, and you're non-Christians. You're turned off by Christians, and unfortunately, we've given you good reason to be turned off, Because we're living lives enslaved to rules and regulations and do's and don'ts. That is so not sexy. We're free. In fact, Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Will you look at it with me? He says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Literally, in the Greek, the language Paul's writing in, it reads stronger. It reads in the Greek, for freedom, Christ freed you. I love that. What he's saying in the original language Greek, he posits freedom as both a noun and a verb, which means that freedom is both the destination and the means to the Christian life. 
God emancipated you. He redeemed you. And a part of what it means to be a Christian is, I stand firm in the freedom that God has supplied through Jesus Christ. But freedom can be a complicated thing. It was the great African theologian many, many, many centuries ago, Augustine, who bequeathed to us this very jolting remark. Make note of it. If Augustine had Twitter back then, this thing would have went viral. Augustine said, love God and do as you please. Love God and do as you please. That's a troubling statement, isn't isn't it? At the end of the day, it is a statement of Christian freedom. But the more you think about it, what Augustine is saying, if you love God, then you want to do what pleases him. If you love God, there is this merger of, of desire. There is this merger of what I please now becomes what pleases him. So I exist for his pleasure. So for me to love God and do as I please, that's not a license to sin. It is a license to glorify God with all of my mind, body, soul, and actions. But nonetheless, Christian freedom is very problematic. I want to unpack this to you. This is probably the most pastoral word I can give to you. Because what you need to understand is much of the Christian life is lived in the gray. So much of how we navigate life, there is not a, a verse that speaks to all the meticulous intricacies of the Christian life. So how do we navigate this? How do we steward our freedoms well so that our freedoms do not overwhelm us? So, for example, many of you are here today, and you, you're, you're working out in the marketplace, you've been killing it, and you get an incredible bonus. Of course, we understand what the Word says, that, that you should tithe off of that. That's clear. Common sense would say that I should save some of that bonus, but you, you do both of those things, and you realize I still have a significant amount left over. What, what do I do with that? In some sense, you're free. The Bible doesn't give you all of these details as it relates to what to do with every penny that God entrusts to you. So, so what do you do with that? Do you buy a second home? Do you go out and buy a Tesla, or Mercedes, BMW, whatever it may be? And since you're free to do that, maybe there's a little angst in you in which you go, yeah, yeah, I could do that, but what about all the poor people and the suffering and the hurting that is out, that is out there? What, what do I do? See the gray area there? How do I navigate these freedoms? Speaking of cars, here I am as a pastor, and there is no verse that says pastors shall not drive a Mercedes or a BMW or a Tesla or an Audi or whatever it may be. So in some sense, I'm free to pull up on this parking lot in whatever I want to drive. But just because I can doesn't mean I should. How do I navigate this? Some of you all, I mean, you won't find a verse in Scripture that says, ladies shall not wear yoga pants to church. You won't find that verse. Does it mean you should? Some of you have strong thoughts on that. How do I navigate that freedom? Some of you are here today and you're single. 
The scriptures are clear. We're not to have sex outside of marriage. We're clear on that. But, but how far is too far? And can we hold hands? And what about kissing? And, and, and physical... How, how, the, the scriptures just don't say. So how do I navigate that freedom? Well, my wife and I, we throw a big party at our house. We invite people over. Many of them we don't know, let's say. And we don't know their journeys. We don't know their struggles. We don't know their weaknesses. So do we just serve alcohol? After all, there's not a verse in the Scriptures that says, Thou shalt not drink. But we've got that freedom, but just because we can doesn't mean we should. Do you understand here that that how we navigate Christian freedom is a significant deal to God? Our Scripture is all about how to navigate Christian freedom. In fact, I love this. I, I, I just want to do a fly over it now. Look at verses 13 to 15. We'll come back in just a few minutes, and we'll go a lot deeper. But beginning in verse 13, Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I love this. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love, 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 love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. All of us right now, or I guess most of us right now, uh, our cars are sitting in the parking lot or on the side of a street somewhere, and, 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 and our cars, in a sense, are free. We can go 100 miles an hour, 120 miles an hour, 140 miles an hour, 160 miles an hour. We're, we're free, in a sense, to drive as fast as we want. But you and I understand that when we get on the freeway, there's what's called a speed limit. That speed limit fundamentally says that just because, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So we're putting a speed limit, our government, our, our government says, because we understand you're not driving that car in isolation. You're driving it in community. And we're concerned that unless there is a regulated speed limit, if you drive to that car's freedom capacity, you will do irreparable damage not just to yourself, but to other drivers around you. You don't drive in isolation. You drive in community. Likewise, I'm calling this sermon the speed limit of, of, of freedom. Paul gives us the speed limit of freedom in our text. He says it is love. That just as I drive my car in community, my freedoms are to be exercised in the context of community. In other words, my freedoms are never about my freedoms. It is how do I steward my freedoms in such a way to where I don't bite and devour one another. That I don't destroy community. It is the epitome of biblical immaturity for a person to develop spiritual myopia and think it's all about me. So I can wear what I want to wear on the praise team. I can dress however I want to dress and come to church. If you're at my house, I can serve whatever I want to serve. It's my house, my freedom. Paul says... That is out of bounds. There is a speed limit to freedom, and it's called love. Our text, we're going to learn three things today about freedom. Let me give you the table of contents. Number one, Paul's going to begin in the opening 12 verses by simply saying, don't lose your freedom. Verses 13 to 15, he's going to say, don't abuse your freedom. 
And then verses 16 to 26, he's going to say, here's how to use your freedom. First, he begins by saying, don't lose your freedom. Look at verse 2. He says in verse 2, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. He goes on to say in verse 4, strong words, you who are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Here's Paul. He's come and he's preached the gospel to the Galatians. He's told them that you are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. He has preached the good gospel of grace. They have drunk the 200 proof gospel of grace. But in his wake now comes a group of religious people. They are legalists under the label of Christianity. They're called the Judaizers. And they start whispering in the ear of the Galatians, Hey, you need to know Paul didn't tell you the whole truth. You must now add to the finished work of Jesus Christ the works of the law. You need to be circumcised. You need to do these things. Paul now writes the book of Galatians, and in essence, what he is saying in our text is, adding to Christ actually subtracts from Christ. That Christ plus anything equals nothing, but Christ plus nothing equals everything. You are sufficient in Christ alone. So we've been making note all throughout this series that this stuff actually still happens today, that somehow, some way, I feel like I've got to run to quiet times and giving statements and serving opportunities and missions opportunities, kind of as hand sanitizer for my soul. Instead, you need to understand we don't work for God's approval. We work from God's approval. That God already says of us what He said to Jesus Christ. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. God's pleased with you. Rest in that child of God. Rest in it. You can't do anything to make Him turn His back on you. The fact that you've had an abortion doesn't make God give up on you. As far as the east is from the west, it's as far as I have removed your sins. God's not upstairs in heaven keeping count on the amount of people you've slept with. It's covered under the blood. Do you believe what we just sang? Jesus paid not most of it, not part of it, but Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Never get so grown in your faith in which you think God's credit card has no limits. We are sufficient in Christ. We are sufficient in Christ. Now, look again at verse 4. These are strong words. He says, when you go the route of rules and regulations and you try to supplement what Christ already did for you on the cross, he says, you are actually now severed from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. You know that phrase? We've used that tragically wrong. We've used it to speak of people who sin greatly. We use of some minister who maybe committed some act of immorality. We say of them, fallen away from grace. That's not how it's used. 
It's used of self-righteous, legalistic people who think that they are better than others because of their performance. That's the one who's fallen away from grace. It's the one with the biggest Bible. Who's basing their self-righteousness on their Bethmore bobblehead doll. Pastor Brian Loritz with today's Inspired to Live radio broadcast. We truly want to thank you for spending time with us today studying God's Word. If you'd like more information on Pastor Brian or on Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, here's how you can contact us. Our mailing address is 2440 Leghorn Street in Mountain View, California, 94043. Our Information Center phone number is area code 650-210-9340. And of course, you can look us up on the World Wide Web at alcf.net, where you'll find multiple links with information about our church and our staff, a calendar of upcoming ALCF events, and if you're in the Mountain View area, on Sunday morning, our worship service begins at 10 a.m., and we would love for you to join us. Again, for more information on this and everything else happening here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, just visit our website at alcf.net. Well, we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Brian continues to lead us through a study of God's Word. But until then, it is our hope and prayer from everyone here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening.